Welcome and thanks for listening to Texas Tech Health Check from Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center. I'm your host, Melissa Whitfield. We want you to get healthy and stay healthy with help from evidence-based advice from our physicians, healthcare providers, and researchers. Aphasia is a condition many of us have only recently heard about. What is it? Who gets it? And what causes it? Dr. Melinda Corwin is a professor here at TTUHSC Department of Speech, Language, and Hearing Sciences, and she's the director of the Stroke and Aphasia Program, also known as the STAR Program. Dr. Corwin answers our questions about aphasia. What is it? How is it diagnosed? And how is it treated? Dr. Corwin, thank you very much for coming on our podcast. Thank you for having me. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your expertise, and what you do at the Health Sciences Center? Yes, I'm a professor in the Department of Speech, Language, and Hearing Sciences. I am a speech-language pathologist, and I direct our stroke and aphasia recovery. We call it the STAR program. Well, again, welcome. Aphasia has been in the news recently. Can you talk to us about aphasia, what it is, and what are some of the causes? Yes, so aphasia is a language disorder. It renders someone unable to have a conversation, like what you and I are doing right now. And it also affects that person's ability to understand other people who are talking to them or to understand symbols of language on a page. So they may have trouble reading, they have trouble texting or typing, understanding an email, sending an email. So it's basically a disorder that affects someone's access to language. It can be caused by a stroke, a traumatic brain injury, a brain tumor, or a degenerative disease. So essentially anything that affects the part of the brain that's in charge of language, that's the condition of aphasia. Is this um, common and what age groups are more likely to be at risk? So it's more common than you might think. More than 2 million people in our country have the condition of aphasia, yet very few people have heard that word. The most common cause is stroke that happens in the left side of the brain because the left side is the language center for most people. So that's the most common cause. And as we get older, our risk for stroke increases especially if a person has heart disease or high blood pressure, they're at higher risk for stroke. But it can happen at any age. My youngest patient was an eight-year-old who had a stroke and then acquired aphasia. What are some of the symptoms? Of aphasia itself, the symptoms would be problems speaking and finding the words that you need at the time you need them. Like I mentioned, problems having a conversation, problems understanding what other people are saying to you. It may sound like gibberish or a foreign language. Problems reading, not understanding the words on the page or on the screen, and problems writing or typing or texting. 
And so how is it diagnosed? So typically it's diagnosed after the event that caused it, for example, the traumatic brain injury if someone's in a car accident and damages that part of their brain or a brain tumor in that part of the brain or a stroke in that part of the brain. Now, there is an, a more unusual kind called primary progressive aphasia, and that's due to that part of the brain slowly deteriorating over time. It's a form of dementia. That one would be a little more difficult to diagnose, but typically the person starts with their primary care provider, and then they may be referred to a neurologist or a neuropsychologist and eventually a speech-language pathologist for the diagnosis. What is the difference between Alzheimer's disease, dementia, and aphasia? I think the best way to explain it is to think of aphasia and dementia as conditions that can be caused by many different things. With aphasia, the condition is primarily a problem with access to language, but there's no problem with cognition or intellect. In other words, the person thinks the way he or she always has, they just can't access the words they need to express themselves or to understand language the way they could before. With dementia, that condition involves the primary problem being thinking or cognition. And so Alzheimer's disease is the most common kind of dementia, the most common type of dementia. But I do have people that sometimes say, oh, well, my grandmother doesn't have dementia. She has Alzheimer's disease. And I say, well, actually, if your grandmother has Alzheimer's disease, she does have the condition of dementia. But the condition of dementia involves the primary problem with thinking and intellect, it begins to deteriorate. And for a while, the person with dementia can still speak and use words, but those words may not make as much sense. They may not be as clear with their thinking, but the primary problems are with memory in dementia. Now, it is possible for a person to have aphasia and dementia at the same time. So after it's diagnosed, how, how is it treated? Well, the good news is that if it's due to an event that happens such as a stroke or a traumatic brain injury, the treatment is very helpful and the person will progress. So the trajectory is very positive. The person will get better over time with therapy, with speech and language therapy. Now, if it is the degenerative kind, the trajectory is different. It will gradually get worse over time. And so our goals are a little bit different. With the degenerative kind, we're trying to maintain communication for as long as we can, but there is no cure for the degenerative kind. What kind of treatments are done here at the Health Sciences Center? So within our stroke and aphasia recovery program, the STAR program, we have 10 groups that meet weekly, and we work in small group conversational formats. So two to four people with aphasia per group, and they're working on things like conversation, 
reading, writing, typing, speaking, understanding, and they practice with each other. And they're very supportive of each other. It's very helpful. That's the nine-month program that we run during the school year. In the summers, we run a more intensive summer arts program. For two weeks, we use different forms of art because we know that art can be very therapeutic and very helpful for the brain in its healing and recovery process. So for example, this summer, the first two weeks of June, we'll have an arts camp that involves visual art, choir, and theater. We're excited about that. Can patients recover from aphasia? Absolutely, especially the ones who have had a stroke or a traumatic brain injury. They can recover quite a bit. It does take time. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't heal as quickly as a broken bone because we are dealing with the brain as the organ that's affected. But the prognosis is very good for those types of aphasia. If it's not diagnosed or if it's not treated, can it lead to other illnesses or problems? It's usually more associated with other illnesses and problems. So, for example, when a person has a stroke, they may become paralyzed or weak on one side of their body. Their arm and leg on a particular side of the body may not work as well. Aphasia can also happen. Not everyone can afford a full-time caregiver. How can some of us help and uh, communicate with loved ones who may have aphasia? So one helpful technique might be to think of aphasia as a language access problem. So anything that involves the alphabet or words or numbers is going to be very difficult. If you traveled to a foreign country where you didn't speak the language, it would be difficult for you to read the signs or to send an email in that language or to understand oral directions that someone was giving you. But what would be helpful for you in that foreign country? Perhaps pictures, gestures. Those are the same kinds of things that help loved ones who have aphasia. We use pictures, gestures, we write down keywords, anything that can help get the message in without being heavily reliant on language. As we age, we forget words. When should we be concerned and who do we see for that? Well, that's a good point. I forget words on a daily basis. But if it becomes a very frequent basis, for example, in every sentence or every other sentence I'm trying to speak, if I begin to have word finding problems, that's more of a red flag. So I would advise people to begin with their primary care provider, and then they will make a referral if they think it's something that's worth investigating further. How can people find support groups or therapy in Lubbock and outside of Lubbock? So I believe that our STAR program serves as a form of support group. We like to believe that we do provide psychosocial support, not only for stroke survivors who have aphasia, but for their caregivers or their care partners at home, husbands, wives, sons, and daughters, of people who have aphasia. We provide that here, and it's a community outreach program. 
meaning we're funded by an endowment and there are no direct costs to the persons with aphasia or their families for the program. And outside of Lubbock, how would they go about finding help? Well, we do have people who travel from as far away as 90 miles to come to our program. We can also try to help give them referrals for a place closer to their homes. And of course, with teletherapy and telehealth now, we do have some people who are joining our program from other states. We have people from Colorado, New York, Kansas, Missouri. So that's been a wonderful new addition through Zoom being able to include people who don't live in the Lubbock area. Well, with patients coming in from out of state, that means you're getting some sort of attention. Do you have any upcoming projects or anything like that coming up? We do. We have an exciting project this summer, the first two weeks of June. We're partnering with Texas Tech, Talkington College of Visual and Performing Arts, as well as Silk Road Rising, which is a theater production company based in Chicago. And we're going to do an Arts in Motion initiative where people with aphasia will come for four hours each day for a two-week period. And so it will be intensive Arts in Motion. It'll involve visual art, singing, we have a choir, and theater. Not putting on an entire play, but learning some theater techniques that can be very helpful for persons with aphasia. At the end of that period, on June 16th at 6 p.m., we will have a final performance and art exhibit open to the public. It will be held in Hemley Recital Hall at the Texas Tech Music Building, and we would love anyone who's listening to come and support us during our final performance and art exhibit on June 16th. Well, that sounds great. Thank you so much for coming on our podcast and talking to us about aphasia. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Texas Tech Health Check. Make sure to subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts so you won't miss the next episode. This information is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. Always seek immediate medical advice from your physician or your healthcare provider for questions regarding your health or medical condition. Texas Tech Health Check is brought to you by Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center and produced by Tiara Castillo, Susanna Cisneros, and me, Melissa Whitfield.